As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. With me, comedian and wine novice Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times wine columnist and vice president of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, I have taken up the much coveted role as apprentice of wine to try and become a master of all things grape-related. But you won't be on this journey alone, Susie. Oh no, every episode we'll be joined by a well-known guest for some good wine, good times and good conversation. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we have on the show, then fear not, because they're all available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there's a link in the episode description just for you. So, whether you sip back and relax, or you rosé the day away, in this show, you're sure to find something that suits your taste. We're here in the fabulous church-turned-boozy destination Amazing Grace in London Bridge, ready to bless the wine and have a good time. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today is the wonderful chef, Clodagh McKenna. Clodagh is a master of all things food-related. You may know her as a resident chef on ITV's This Morning or starring in this year's Cooking with the Stars. But as well as being on telly, Clodagh is an author of several cookbooks and her most recent book, In Minutes, was a number one bestseller in both the UK and Ireland. Clodagh is hugely passionate about growing, rearing and producing with the aim to be fully sustainable by 2024. Over the past four years, her and her husband, Harry Herbert, have restored a one-acre 18th-century walled vegetable and fruit garden, set up six working beehives and an orchard, whilst also producing wormeries and wildflower meadows. I mean, I don't know how you're doing it all. Hello, Clodagh. Hello. That's all very impressive. Oh, thanks, William. Um, yeah, we moved into Broadspear, which is the name of our home and our property. It's an 80-acre property about four years ago. And it was a neglected property for about over 100 years. <sighs> I had in my head when Harry said to me, let's move to the country and we'll be our first home together. And, you know, I've got a little cottage and I had these dreams of like, oh, my God, this kind of, you know, beautiful, you know, cottage garden and maybe a little vegetable garden already set up there. And and I gave up my place. He gave up his place, had never even seen it. Mm. And we moved in. Oh, that's how never, I am. You'd never seen it. You'd never seen it stupidly. Um, you 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 bought you bought a house. So we didn't buy it. Harry was left it. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah he inherited oh. it. And um, and then we moved in and and it was like, OK, OK, so there is nothing growing here and it is completely overgrown and the house is full of black dead ivy and so is the wall garden. And I remember the first day I walked in the falling down gate of the walled garden and it was a dump. No, I mean like mounds of like 20 foot high 
um, just rubbish and um, asbestos buildings everywhere rotting and falling down. But now today it's a really beautiful little sustainable working farm and we have cattle, we have ducks, we have chickens, we have cutting gardens, we have successfully for the first year ever, we failed miserably three years in a row, wildflower meadows. They are so difficult to get going. It's not a case of throw the seeds out there and watch it grow. Oh, it's no, like, that's what I've been told. Has someone been lying to me? I thought you just did a bit of that, a bit of throwing out yeah, and then something beautiful happens. Is no, that I did that quite a lot and oh, wasted a lot of seeds. Um, and we created ponds. We've got ponds throughout the property. Um, we have six working beehives. Um, we now have the walled garden, so we've got enough vegetables growing all year round for us, our family, our friends, and also our local community. We give vegetables and fruit to the church every Sunday morning. So some people don't go to church and they just arrive at the end of mass <laughs> take the veg to free vegetables. And my next project is a pickling, fermenting and drying shed that I'm going to convert. Yeah, so it's all go there. And I love it. Four years on, I'm so glad all the big work is done. Now it's just maintaining it. <laughs> so you mentioned before we started recording that you, you enjoy wine. You like yeah, wine. I love wine. Well, you're, you're in the best place. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're here. Where? What, Look what at my start? face. I can't <laughs> stop smiling. <laughs> what are we starting I'm with today, I'm quite excited well? about this episode. We're starting in where else? Oh, my God. And we've just had Ascot Week, haven't we? We're in Champagne. So we're 90 miles northeast of, uh, of Paris. And I believe this is the best-selling rosé in the world in terms of volume. It's Laurent Perrier Rosé. You know, I've had um, this one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful bottle. Yes. Aesthetically. Yeah. Isn't it? So Lauren Perry is still family owned, actually, having been founded in 1812. Wonderful that it's still family owned, isn't it? Yes. And in the 20th century, the company was oh. um, revitalized by Bernard de Nolincourt. But it just, it just combines, doesn't it, that, that sort of elegance and, and freshness with that it's almost raspberry red currant character, mm. isn't it? Cody, have you thought about planting vines on your farm? I have thought about yeah. it. It has been a conversation, especially with climate change. Yes. And, and hearing about all of the champagne houses, like the famous ones like Tattenders, yeah. and buying up so many vineyards in England because in the vineyards in England are now producing, you know, the perfect mm. yeah. white wine and champagne. Yeah. Well, sparkling wine, grapes. I've thought about it. It's a lot of work, isn't it? And work. it's seven years really until you see. And it's a lot of investment. And I was just a thinking about champagne. If you look at the history of champagne, so champagne was sort of got going in the mid 1600s and it grew up around the prosperity of Paris. So we have a, a large market here in, in, in terms of where we are now. We have the world's largest financial centre, London. But I think it was a master of wine, Justin Howard Sneed, who wrote a paper just showing that it took the big champagne houses like Krug or Paul Roger, it took them about 100 years to start making a profit. <laughs> so it's a long-term investment. I mean, you're talking generational investment. And A, you've got to plant the vines and yeah. make the wine. That's actually the relatively straightforward bit. Because when you're making sparkling wine, there's a lot you can do with the grapes if they're slightly unripe. You can, you know, in the winery, there's, you know, sort of jiggery yeah. pokery. The, the hard bit is is marketing it, selling it, creating a brand, and getting it in front of people to drink. Do you know what I'd serve this with? Just keep on thinking about delicious things with this. I think this would be so delicious with like a really fresh, big rock oyster, like a Carlingford, you know, something from the west of Ireland. 
Fantastic. Um, or a Scottish oyster, you know, something yeah, yeah. The, the, salty the, 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 and mm. the really big, yeah, as you yeah, said, yeah, salty and kind of meaty. And then I think like softer cheeses, like if you were to have like a delicious ricotta, you know, handmade, you know, ravioli or a ricotta, something like ricotta and nuts and a beautiful summer salad would be absolutely delicious with it too. Yeah, and then really also is. funny why do you think about like lamb with this like summer lamb like a yeah. summer lamb cutlet I think it could really it could it's also got like lovely smokiness about yeah. it too even though it's got that freshness and those berries that lovely raspberry it's also got a tight like a smokiness to it doesn't it the summer season you do have all these sort of delicious little small eats at, at outdoor picnics and smart you know summer concerts and we've just had Royal Ascot week where everyone's picnicking at the back of their cars. Yeah. This would be wonderful because you compare it with all those. I it's think nice to hear your food matching, isn't it? Like, yeah, really, it's really inspiring. Yeah. I think with something so fresh and sparkling like this, you've got to think what like what can like bed into it. Like so it's something creamy, isn't it? How yeah. often do you think about pairing what you're cooking? Every night. Do you? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, every night. I have a glass of wine every single night. But do you think specifically <laughs> about like, oh, that kind of wine will go with what I'm about to cook? Yeah, we have a conversation. Great. I know. Can I come to yours for tea? Yeah. Thanks. So Harry, <laughs> Harry is the wine fanatic in our house. Yes. Right, okay. So it works really, really well. And he's gotten more and more interested in it um, since we've been you know, living together for the last four years. Because I'm cooking all the time, so he takes that as his you know his thing so that's what he brings to the table and so we have a discussion beforehand and he'll be like mm, I'm thinking of this and this so there's a new English wine that's this we should taste it and he'll order it and then I'll build a dinner around it and but <sighs> at six o'clock does he say Claudia you know I'm, I'm time for a glass of white wine or he opens, yeah. up, opens up goes down to the cellar yeah. pulls one out yeah I love that turns to the barn <laughs> in behind the chicken feed <laughs> <laughs> the house was also sort of in the house was there 300 years old. The house had been rented out to people who were like working in the park and stuff. Sure, um, okay. Kind of just in and out, people in and so out. So not, not a home? Not a home. So that not must have been a big job. Yeah, that was well. a job as well. Yeah, that was about three months when we came in just to kind of get it all to the, you know, taking up the carpets and... But amazing when you go into houses like that that are so old, what you find. Like I remember, you know, we're taking up the carpets and then finding all these lovely tiles underneath. Yes. It, you know, like of these wonderful colors and patterns and and then slate and then wood in one area. So we just left it all natural. We just oh, took beautiful. all the carpets and house breathing. And Love that. I wanted the house to breathe. Mm. Um, and now it's fully breathing. <laughs> well, it's not just breathing. It's that the whole area is now thriving. It's thriving. It really is. It's magical to see it, to see beautiful soil, to see you know, earthworms everywhere, you, you know, to feel the carbon, you know, and, you know, carbon is such a good thing, gets such a negative name, but carbon is everything. And so your new series. Yes. Is, is it all shot there? Because it's all about how, yeah. how you can be sustainable, how one can do that and about how, can you tell us just a bit about it, how you came up with the idea of it and what you sort of hope to share? Because when I moved into Broadspear, I knew nothing about it. I loved, you know, saying the word sustainable, mm -hmm. saying the word, you know, growing and all the rest. But I really wasn't in touch with it um, or doing it or living it. And it was really about a year into what we were doing at Broadspear that I just all of a sudden just, I guess, fell into soil and didn't and just got obsessed with it or so interested in it. Um, 
and I learned so much. I learned so much, um, you, you know, in, in a quite a, a short period of time. In four years, I feel like I've just done the biggest master course of my life, you know, from failing and then learning and then visiting places and learning from them and reading and Googling and YouTubing and everything of how to grow everything from seed, how to compost properly, you know, how to keep your wormeries, you know, going, how to season your wood, um, how to keep cattle, um, chicks, chickens, ducks, how to build ponds, you know, it goes on and on and on what, you know, I do there on a daily basis. And I just wanted to share that knowledge. Mm. And I wanted to, for it to be a place, because I didn't have that place to go to, you know, um, to kind of go on and kind of go, so how can I actually start composting? Like, what can I compost and what mm. can't I? And you Google it and there'd be like a million things come up. There'd be stuff on the government and pages and you're just like, oh God, you've lost me after like the 10th paragraph. Yeah. I just want... This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Most important thing is you'll be eating healthier. You'll be making a big impact on the environment. You'll be creating your own eco mm. little center in the, your back of your, your backyard. And it's so much cheaper. If you think that we might probably spend, I think on average, I think it's in England, correct me if I'm wrong, is it five to six pounds a week on salad leaves? Mm. Multiply that by five, that's 250 pounds. Yeah. You know, two pounds, you just do it and you're doing it from seed. Yeah. You know, so and you can have an abundance of it. If you're someone <laughs> like me, I'm soon to have, you know, quite a small little garden. Is there still an opportunity for someone like me yeah. to create that mini little ecosystem? Hundred percent. So it's not it's not like you need to have all of these acres. You can just have your own little plot yeah. where you just you know, you, you make just enough for you. A hundred percent. I mean I would not that I would love, but if I I would love to be given the opportunity to go into somebody's house with a tiny little garden and just go, okay, what can I do for this? I can give you that opportunity right now. <laughs> I've, seen so many, I've seen so many of them. I was watching one on television and half it was concrete. Yeah. And you're just like, we have to stop pushing yeah, yeah. down concrete and pebbles and, and paving, you, you know, because we, we need to be putting down more grass. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's grass. It's like we think about all the organisms underneath it mm. that are you know, creating our world because everything that happens underneath grass, if there is grass there, is keeping our world above the grass alive. Mm -hmm. So that we've got to just think everything underneath is actually what is keeping us all alive. And if every single one of us makes a little difference and say, okay, I've got paving at my back, I'm going to take that up and I'm going to put down grass or I'm going to take up you know, every other paving, I'm actually just going to take that up. I'm going to put soil in and plant something in it. So it makes it more beautiful looking, but also you're getting room for all of the insects to be able to come in and bees to pollinate. And It looks beautiful, but my, from my point of view, it smells beautiful. It Talk about smells. grass. I mean, now, mm. get down to West Berkshire at night, the, you come out the pub and the sweet smell of the grass. Well, you're talking about um, growing lettuce seeds. You know, you know, when you go into a greenhouse, you can smell the tomato mm. leaves. I love all those smells. Yeah. And that's that, that's a big part of it for totally. me. Totally. And you can smell. do so much on your windowsills. Yes. Yeah. You know, create yes. a little greenhouse on your windowsills, you know, and get your, you know, kids, you know, excited about it. Ask the kid who is going to be, you know, the tomato room, you know, yeah. and then create their windowsills into the tomato plants. And maybe the other kid could be the herb, the basil, 
the yeah. basil room and then they become basil they have to look after it yeah yeah you know like just like turn your house into an eco you know cycle it's it's just about stopping for a second you know maybe one night a week okay i'm going to dedicate one night a week to improving my home my life and just thinking just stopping and thinking about how can i do it google it or else look at my new YouTube channel. Hopefully that will help. And then just work out what you can do in your space, whether it's small, large, big, tiny, whatever, how you can make the steps to make change because it will change your life. listening to Wine Times, brought to you with the help of our friends at the Sunday Times Wine Club, your go-to experts for fantastic wine. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we've been tasting in this episode, there'll be a link to them in the podcast description. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books. Contacts. Calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, I'm going to slightly change the subject a little. Are you taking us back on the wine? Yeah, we're going back on the wine. And we're, I'm Yay. imagining Harry at six saying, look, it's been a very hot day. Let's <laughs> just have a refreshing glass. We're coming slightly off the fine wine route. And we're having a white wine that's having a bit of a moment. Okay. It's like an alternative to Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. So we're heading to the south of France. Yeah. And it's Picpoul de Pinay. Oh, my <laughs> God, the nose. I haven't tasted it. But the nose on that is sensational. So we're in the Languedoc. Yeah, that's good. We're east of Narbonne. And stay with me on this. Have you seen the 1986 French film Betty Blue? The first scene, they're painting beach houses. I think Zorg is the main character. And they're painting beach houses on the beach. And the vineyards for this are just behind there. So it's a very hot part of France. Which is unusual because this is, as I said, it's, it's a... It would fall into the bracket of aromatic, light and zesty. Six o'clock, it's just a pick-me-up. You're just starting to cook, you're cooking away. Picpoul de Pinay translated as lip stinger because it has this zesty, high acidity. And you could describe it as the ultimate summer wine, I think. Oh, and it's got a creaminess and an yeah. apricot. It's so silky. Mm. And I was thinking what you could have with this. I mean, I just think shellfish would be a real treat. Oh, it? yeah. Yeah, prawns. Prawns. Mm. Mm. Lobster claws. Yeah, definitely shellfish because you want that kind of nuttiness. Yes, creaminess. and even the oysters that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. the big oysters. Yeah. Langoustine, 
langoustine. I think langoustines and mussels. Sorry. Yes. Um, would be really, really good. There's mussels cooked with tomatoes rather than cream. Mm. And I just feel as mm. you, well, as, certainly me as a 46 year old, as I get older, I've really come to appreciate wines like this. Whereas in my 20s, when I was learning about wine and studying wine, I never really appreciated acidity like I do now. And I, I, I realize that acidity is like a spice. It's, yeah. it's what binds it all together. It's what gives it the yeah. vitality and the energy. And it's, it's, it's what you need. I, I love this wine. Made by Chateau Canet. Do you know what? I was also thinking that this would be delicious with. Please. I've recently discovered making huge souffles. Have you ever made like yes. a really big souffle? No, no, because it's so difficult to make. So they're not actually. <laughs> so the small. Remember, she's a chef, and we're not. <laughs> no, but genuinely. So I went over to. I'd come. I'd only ever made small little souffles, right? Yeah. And I, even I, get stressed about that. Yeah. Because people come to my house and they expect like a certain level. <laughs> Anything of that if there's like cooking that can go wrong, I just don't do it for guys. I just don't. I do. I do not like to be under pressure. No whenever I've got people coming over yeah. because I don't like people to leave and feel like that they didn't have a nice time. You know, I want to have a nice time with them too. So it's all about stress-free for me. But I was over in a friend's house um, a couple of weeks ago and she is, doesn't really cook because she'd be the first to admit it. Right. You know, um, and we went over to her house and she was like saying, I'm going to make a big cheese souffle. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> How is she going to make a big cheese souffle? And I sat up in the kitchen and watched her do it. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's this easy to make a big one. So much easier to make yeah, yeah, than a small okay. one. So you get a big, um, a big kind of like baking dish, uh -huh. yeah. you know, something that would be about 10 inches in diameter all the way around. It wanted about five inches, six inches tall, like a really big kind of ramekin looking thing. And then you butter it. Mm -hmm. And then you get some breadcrumbs, and that's a big important thing, breadcrumbs, and you put breadcrumbs over the butter and shake out any excess. And then you get some eggs, you separate them. Mm -hmm. They're egg whites, so I obviously know everything is egg-based in our house. Because of course. We've got yes. so many gorgeous girls, <laughs> um, gorgeous chickens and ducks. And then you separate your eggs, egg yolks, go into a, frying, so into a saucepan with lots of melted cheese and cream and mustard. And then you beat up your egg whites and you stiffen them up to a soft peak. Mm -hmm. You take your cream or your cheese kind of sauce now yeah. that's not going on off the heat. You fold in the egg whites, make sure your oven is preheated and then you pour in this fluffy, cheesy thing into the big dish. And then you can put it into the fridge at this point until everybody's ready to eat. And then it goes into the oven for about 15 minutes and it puffs up. It's so much easier to do the big ones and the small ones. And this would be so yeah, yeah, yeah. good with it because if you used a lovely like Somerset cheddar that's lovely mm. and salty and caramely, you know, that would go so well with this kind of, you know, acidic, apricot-y creaminess that this gorgeous wine has. Am I brave enough to attempt that souffle? Yeah, do. Well, what temperature at the oven? Um, if you're oven. using a fan oven, I yeah. would do it at 180 and then a non-fan, 200. Got, you want it hot. Got a good, really good oven. You want it hot, hot, hot. You get there, that souffle rising. Mm. When you first started with your, with your, knowing that you were like, okay, I'm going to be growing all these vegetables. You've got the girls laying their eggs. You've got lots going on. Was there like a specific dish that you were like, I can't wait to invite my friends over or have this, these people over that I love and make this dish all from my garden. Was there anything? Yeah. There was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so amazing you say that. So yeah, 
one of, I think one of the first most exciting things I ever cooked um, when I was first training as a chef, like 25 years ago, was a courgette flower. Mm-hmm. That I was at Balmali at the time and I'm going down to the gardens and picking the courgette flower and filling it with a locally made ricotta that we whipped with a little bit of lemon and honey in it. And then it was fried in little batter and then fried and then served with honey over it. And we, you know, obviously produce a lot of honey. We produce about 300 jars of honey um, a year. Um, And that was the most exciting thing when I went out one morning and I had grown my first ever courgette flower. Honestly, I think you would have seen me. I I think I actually did do a cartwheel. (laughs) 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 I was so excited. I was so excited. I mean, I'm blushing. I feel so excited about it. And then I used a lovely English ricotta and I whipped it up and I used her own honey, which made it even more special. I put loads of mint in there. Um, and oh, lemon so zest delicious. and fried it up and had it over and this would be so yeah, good this would yeah. be so good with that too through, that it? crispiness yeah. and that crispy fried and the honey and the oh my god I'm so sorry I didn't bring it all in and just do it here no. it. <laughs> it's okay it's an excuse for us to invite ourselves but, to your house but Don't just worry. to go back to being stressed when you have people over and being prepared and it sounds an obvious thing to say but with wine I often feel that people forget um then actually it's quite stressful when everyone arrives. And if you're the host, you've got lots of things to think about. So it's much easier to get all the wine glasses out, pre-open all the bottles, and then just put corks in if they're white and back in the fridge. I quite like making up like one drink. I might be like a fun, I don't know, a smoky, you know, like a smoky cocktail. Oh, yeah. Mm. Do you like a smoky cocktail during the winter? Like a dark and stormy or something? Do you mean like something What's a dark and stormy? I think it's like, is it like whiskey with ginger? Yeah, kind of similar to that. Is yeah, that right? Frog, like a lovely smoky whiskey. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, with lemon and orange. Oh. Um, what else do we put into it? Agostura bitters and egg white, of course. The eggs keep... I mean, you've got to get rid of them eggs. You've got to so find a way. Put them in the drink. You give it a serious put them in everything. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much. We drink it throughout the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I do like cocktail occasionally. But I'm more I feel like if you had turned up at Clodagh's house and she ate handed you one, well, you would, would be delighted to drink it. Delicious. I know what you mean. If, if something comes to me and it looks all kind of like colours and things and all the rest, I get quite scary. Yeah, it's yeah. like a blue WKD. You're like, that's not good for you. Yeah, no. Yeah, something I, not, I definitely get scary. <laughs> a pineapple hanging off the side of it, I'm like, you know, I do like a margarita. Yeah. I do like a mojito. Oh my God, I love to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, our that's third wine nice. beckons. Please. Oh, yes. Now you've now I feel like I'm going to like this. I'm definitely going to buy that last one, though, that PK. Yeah. Now we're heading back onto the fine wine route, and we are going to northeast Hungary. So we're, gonna, we're in oh, we wow. have enormous glasses here. And we're, we're flying to Budapest for one of the most historically famous wines in the world. This is a wine that was described as the wine of kings and the king of wines. Uh, favoured by Russian Tsars, uh, Louis XIV of France, aristocrats across Europe, the royal court. It's Royal Tokai, and it's a sweet wine. This probably one of the sweetest wines you can have. And of course, it fell on hard times because Hungary, after the, uh, the, 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 the 20th century, it was lost to the Western world, but it was stuck behind the Iron Curtain. And the communist government uh, didn't really, uh, if I can be um, tactful, didn't really appreciate that they have one of the world's greatest fine wine regions under their rule. During communist times, it was, it was sort of used to mass-produce wine. When the wall came down in 1989, the Sunday Times club president, Hugh Johnson, actually, 
hired a helicopter to discover what had happened to this wonderful old region stuck behind the Iron Curtain. And he formed with a winemaker called Peter Vindingdeers the Royal Tokai Company. And here we are. And of course, back when it was in its heyday, so we're talking about you know the, the, the time of um, Louis the Fourteenth or, 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 or the 1700s, anything sweet was was loved by the royal courts. Oh my! This was one of the first fine wines in the world, and it's it's delicious, isn't it? It's I think that that is without a doubt, da- and I have you know. <laughs> Obviously, after an hour of this podcast, you all realize I drink a lot of wine. Um, that is the best sweet wine I have ever tasted yeah. in my life. And do you know what it has? It's it like has honey. It has, yes, it, it has honey, it, but it has this wonderful like acidity, which is masked by the sweetness, actually. So you don't feel the acidity. But the acidity gives the freshness. Yeah, it does. Because it's not too syrupy. Yeah. It's not too... And certainly if you, if you go to Hungary... Beautifully and, balanced, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and you go... So you're, on wine. The, you're on the edge of the Great Plains. You could drink this with all sorts of food, actually. An almondy. Yeah. Oh, that nose is amazing, isn't it? Oh, I want to say (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) That is unbelievable. I think... So nice. I may have said this before on the podcast. I think sweet wines for... I don't want to sound too pompous, but for the amateur who's just coming into wine appreciation. Me? Who's who's learning how to write down flavour, you know, flavours and aromas. It's the easiest one to taste like a professional because, you know, humans inherently love sweetness mm. and it's quite easy to identify those. I mean, I think we, you, you two tasted it before me and already you're getting almonds and honey and, and yeah. marmalade and little. And yeah, I love that almond flavour. It's wonderful because I'm, what I, you know, what we I probably in general, we don't like about sweet wines is when they're too sickly sweet. Mm. Mm. But as you said, that acidity balances so nicely with the sweetness of it and that wonderful kind of back, kind of like ghost flavor of mm. of almond there, this kind of appearing is delicious. It has a tremendous amount of sugar in it. Yeah, a I can tremendous imagine. Tremendous amount. So it d- don't, which is disguised by the acidity. So you, I poured out quite large glasses, and I, I, I haven't spat that out actually. <laughs> so that's probably going to keep me going for a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wouldn't serve this at the end of the evening because it, wake, it wakes everyone up and you can't sleep that night. It's like having an espresso at midnight because you have, ah. it's so much sugar yeah, um, coming in. Ooh. Unless, what about with like an afternoon tea? Afternoon tea is when I would an like to. Yeah. And I quite like this at the end of the evening just to prick myself up. Or you, could you have it with a salad with things like... Blue cheese. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. That's really what I was thinking. smoky... Older, well-aged blue cheese. Some walnuts as well. And, Ooh, and this yes. is your honey, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, some walnuts or hazelnuts, things that are like aged and smoky and dry. I think you want dryness, don't you, with this? And yeah. Um, also, I think, and I know we're going away from sweet, but like um, an almond flour, you know, chocolate cake. So an almond-based chocolate cake would be really lovely. Yeah, I... That is very bitter. Yes, but I oh, tend to think yeah. it's too much. Well, well, for, it's, for, too for, much. it's too much sugar for me personally, and that's why I like you know the sweet wine of Bordeaux is a turn. Yeah, and I mean it, it's a bit unfashionable now, but it goes so well with foie gras, doesn't it? That sort of that. But but you know, or or, or, or terrine. Or a, a yeah. lovely chicken liver patty. Yeah, chicken liver patty, exactly. You know, chicken liver patty. I mean, we're not using enough livers anymore. I mean, yeah. you're my butcher. Whenever I call him for you know some chicken livers. He is like, oh, you're the only one that ever calls Dave. I'm really bad at the English accent. Sorry, I'm going to take yeah. all that back. <laughs> Rewind. 
um, you know, uh, he's always so excited when I ask him for the chicken liver. So definitely chicken livers. Is it quite easy to make it? I've never made it's chicken. It's so easy. You get your chicken livers. When you're getting them from the butcher, they're usually frozen because nobody ever buys them. Just thaw them out completely. And then you get some butter going in your frying pan. Clean your livers um, and then fry them. You want to fry them in a medium heat. If you do it too low, they'll stew yes. and you get a kind of a, a, a moussey texture. If you do it too high, they'll get kind of um, uh, kind of chalky. They'll get little kind of grit on it. Yeah. Um, you want to cook it in medium heat, so just keep an eye on that. And as it's going, as it's cooking, you just break it up. And then when your pate is broken up, you pop when you're chicken livers are cooked completely i like to cook them all the way through i don't like that moussey pinkness i like it cooked all the way through then you just scrape the chicken livers from the frying pan into your maggi mix allow it to cool in that put your frying pan back on remember all the flavors at the bottom of the frying pan that is gold put a little bit more um, butter into the frying pan and then add in some garlic some thyme let that cook for a minute and then a good splash of brandy oh this is and deglaze the whole pan with yeah, it yeah. and scrape back all the flavor in the frying pan with the brandy until you get this really thick kind of um, sauce basically going on. And then you pour that on top of the chicken livers. When the chicken livers are completely cooled, you put half of the weight of chicken liver in butter, salted butter, good quality butter, chilled, cubed, into the magi mix, whisk it together, then take it out from the magi mix into some sort of pot mm -hmm. and let it chill and set and it is delicious yeah, I bet it is. it's so good it honestly it, you know it gives me chills talking <laughs> about right, it so i, I want it right now you gotta make a souffle and a pate but you're first. so right you're so right this would be fabulous and i never yeah. would have thought of that well, well, i feel like we could talk to you forever the final question that we always ask everyone is what's your favorite what's your favorite out of the three it has to be the um, the dessert wine. It's yes. very, very special. The, the Tokai. Yeah, well done, Hungary. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I, I'm going well to done, say snap. Absolutely, I'm yeah. with Clodagh. I love it. Yeah, I'm with it. Well, I'm going to say yes as well. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, thank thank you. you so much Cheers. for coming thank on you the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs>us today thank you very much for listening to this episode of wine times in association with the sunday times wine club produced by anya pierce and the series producer is ben mitchell you can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode just do this via your normal podcast provider and we'll be back next week with more delicious wines and another great guest and remember that all of the wines we tasted today are available from the sunday times wine club website but from all of us here at Amazing Grace, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.